Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Mark that passage of Scripture, please. And then turn to Ephesians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Mark that passage and then turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're working on a Bible verse. Verse that is found in Philippians chapter 1. Verse 6, we have it up here on the screen. Let's read it or quote it together. We'll start with a reference, and then we'll do the verse, and then we will follow with the reference. Here we go, Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6. That's what we're looking at growth, seeing what God will do in our lives. Now, the culture would tell us that getting old is natural, but growing up is optional. That's not necessarily a biblical statement. The biblical statement would be this, to grow old is natural, to grow up is spiritual. And we are working on growing up in Jesus Christ being the kind of people that God wants us to be. Here in Ephesians chapter 4, we've spent a lot of weeks on one passage of Scripture. And we have started with verse 11, and we have outlined it this way. He gave to the body, recognition of what he gave to a body, our growth, the whole body, truth and love, helping and edifying, building one another up in Christ. I want to remind us of this passage this morning. So if you're in Ephesians chapter 4, start with verse 11, follow along as I read to you, please. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, When each part is working properly, makes the body to grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are to grow in Him. Now, this passage of Scripture tells us that we are to be no longer children tossed through and through. Rather, we are to grow up in Him. Now, how do we do that? How can we accomplish that in our lives? Well, the first step in our relationship is to speak the truth in love. And you and I need to understand that we are to, where can I put this? Speak truth in love. Now, as you look at that, you will notice that there is A verb, there is a noun, and there is an adjective. The verb is speak. 
That is an action word. It's something that should take place in our lives. The noun, the per- person, place, or thing, is truth, right? What are we to speak? We are to speak truth. And the adjective, the identifier of how this is to happen is love. So I want you to outline that, will you please? We are to speak truth in love. Circle those three words, underline that phrase, do what you need to do, because that helps us to recognize that we are no longer children tossed to and fro. Rather, we are growing up in Him as our relationships allow us to share together and to grow in Christ. Now, we are all about relationships. And the Scripture identifies our relationships. In fact, here in Ephesians chapter 4, our relationships are identified. Jump up to verse 3, will you please? Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in you all. Did you notice those relationships? Talks about a body there, right? It talks about unity of the Spirit, right? It talks about a father, right? Which means that there is a family relationship. Now jump over to verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one with another. We are members one with another. That's all about relationships, isn't it? And as we think about this relationship, we need to understand in the relationships, you talk with people instead of talking at or about people. That's what you do when you have a relationship. Speak, truth, love. Will you say those three words with me this morning, please? Here we go. Speak, truth, love. One more time. Here we go. Speak, truth, love. Now, what does all of that mean? How are we going to do that? For some reason, we Christians seem to have difficulty communicating. Some would rather walk away from the body than talk with the body. If we are to grow up in Him, we must communicate. We must talk. We must speak truth in love. Scripture tells us, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. If we can't talk together, then we cannot grow up together. Some of you may think that business meetings are not very exciting. We had a business meeting last Sunday night. It was exciting. And we honestly dealt with some difficult subjects. Now, there wasn't anybody who got upset and left. There wasn't anybody who walked away. There there wasn't anybody who was offended, I don't think. But what did we do? We spoke truth in love. And we recognize that sometimes there's tension in Scripture, and that tension is within the body. It's okay. It's all right. 
Now, how do we handle these things? Let me give you four principles very quickly that I trust will help us in our relationships. And these come from um, Ken Smead from the Peacemakers, okay? Remember, the key to originality is forgetting where you got it. I remembered where I got this. So this is not original with me. Number one, our goal is to glorify God. Amen? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about God, right? I want everybody to lift their hand and go like this. Okay? You know why I have you do that? Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. Amen? Number two, get the log out of your own eye. The first thing I need to do when I'm struggling is do some introspection. I sat in the Konania Sunday School class this morning. John Paternoster was teaching. John, great job this morning. Thank you very much. And John said that he did not watch the Democratic Convention last week. That's his choice. I didn't watch much of it either. That was my choice. He did say that he had heard some things that came from the Democratic Convention and some commentary about some of the speeches that were made. And John's illustration, this is not a political illustration, okay? So bear with me. And John, I'll try to get it right. John heard commentary on President Clinton's speech. And the commentary that John heard and identified this morning was, as President Clinton outlined his wonderful, perfect wife. Why would he ever want to have a relationship with anybody else? Now, here's what John thought. That's what he heard. This is what he thought. You and I have such a wonderful, perfect, knowing, caring, omnipotent, holy God. Amen? Why would you and I want to have a relationship with anything else that comes between our relationship with our God? Wow. We need to examine ourselves. And Jesus said, you can't get the toothpick out of your brother's eye when you got a big log in your eye. Number three, we need to be gentle. Galatians chapter 6 says, ye that are spiritual, gently restore. Gently restore. We need to put our arms around one another and share in each other's lives. And number four, we need to go. We need to go. If you're worshiping at the altar and you remember that your brother's got something against you, you need to put your, your sacrifice down and you need to go. If you've got ought against your brother, you need to go to that brother. You, you need to go. It's your turn. And that is how we handle struggles in our lives. Glorify God. Get the log out of my eye. Gently. Gently. So my wife's always telling me, be gentle. My philosophy is give me a bigger hammer, I'll fix it. 
That does not work with people, folks. And we need to go. That's speaking truth in love. Now, let's talk very quickly about love. I ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Will you go there, please? 1 Corinthians 13. You know it as the great love chapter. There have been so many weddings that have included this passage of Scripture because it's so important to our relationships. I want to start with verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, did you notice the identity of love? Let's look at what love is. Love is patient and kind. Right off the top, that's what the writer says. Love is patient. Love is kind. What does love not do? Love does not envy or boast. Love does not insist on its own ways, its own things. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoings. What is love not? Love is not arrogant or rude. And what does love do? Love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So what is love? May I use a little acrostic to help you with that? All right? Love lifts up. It bears all things. Love opens up. Love believes all things. Love values up. It hopes all things. And love ends up. It endures all things. Now, as you look at this, you see that love always takes the high road. Huh? Love always takes the high road. Now, we're talking about speaking truth in love, right? Will you say those three words with me, please? Here we go. Speaking truth, love. One more time. Here we go. Speaking truth, love. Love always takes the high road. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. <laughs> love never fails. I have never had anybody beat me up and say, you love me too much. How about you? Hmm? Now, how do we do all of that? Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Back to Ephesians chapter 4.
some weeks ago, and it's just been a few weeks, one of our students emailed me and said, Pastor Tom, I know you like acrostics. Here's one I ran across in my Bible that I used to use. It's an acrostic, T-A-L-K. He said, I used to use it when I was a kid, so I know you didn't give it to me. It was my acrostic. Apparently, that was the Bible he happened to have that week. Now, I just say that to tell you, I know I've given this to you before, all right? But we are talking about speaking truth in love, right? And we are talking about how practically to do that. So I want to help us this morning. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, therefore... Now that therefore, verse 22, we've put off the old man, which is corrupt. Verse 23, we've been renewed in the spirit of our minds. Verse 24, we put on the new man, which after God is created. Therefore, because we've done these things, all right, this is growth, this is progress, this is development. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one with another. The first rule of communication is this, tell the truth. Tell the truth. I was listening to an interview of a political candidate recently, and the question was asked, will you commit to tell the truth? The response was, well, nobody's perfect. It's true, nobody's perfect. And sometimes Frankly, it's difficult to come to the truth. Because if we're going to tell the truth, a couple of things must take place. First of all, we must have all the facts. We must have all the facts. I can't tell you the number of times that Connie has told me something and I've jumped in the middle of what she was telling me. And I've come to my own conclusion, which was wrong. Because Connie had some information I didn't have. And if I'd have just kept my mouth shut and listened a little bit, I'd have been a whole lot better off. We need to make sure that we have all the facts. Can I encourage you, when you're dealing with something and it seems to be screwy, ask a question before you make a statement. Try to find out why this seems to be contrary to your line of thinking or to your information or to your understanding. Because it may be that you just don't have all the facts. Sometimes we jump to conclusions and we jump right off the cliff. If we're going to tell the truth, we've got to get all the facts. And number two, we have to properly interpret the facts. Have you noticed that there is a different way of thinking between genders? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And genders can be looking at the same set of facts and come to two different conclusions. Is it because somebody's not telling the truth? 
Or is it simply because you're looking at it from a different perspective? If we are going to speak truth in love, we need to make sure that we have all of the facts. Someone this past couple of weeks said to me, I am so disappointed in Ben Carson because of his endorsement of a particular political candidate. I said to that person, I admire and respect Ben Carson, and he probably knows something that I don't. Now, again, this is not political. This is just an illustration, all right? The fact is we were both looking at an endorsement of a candidate. One person was looking at it from one perspective. Another person was looking at it from another perspective. Now, were either one of us not telling the truth? We were just interpreting the facts differently. And I can't tell you the number of relationships that have been broken up simply because someone was interpreting the facts differently than someone else. That should not be in the body of Christ. Tell the truth. Look with me at verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. The second rule of communication is this. Always keep current. Always keep current current be angry but do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath do not give place to the devil now now what does that mean be angry and do not sin sinful anger is selfish anger defensive anger self-serving anger Unrestrained anger. Anger directed to injure someone instead of correct a situation. May I ask you a question? Was Jesus ever angry? Did Jesus ever sin? Is it possible to be angry and not sin? When we are upset, when we are anger, let's, angry, let's make sure we're not serving our own selves, that we're not trying to get even, that we are not trying to reach out and hurt somebody, because what that does is it gives Satan a toehold in our lives. It allows Satan to work his work. And let me tell you, I've been there, folks. You have too. The more we think about it, the more upset we get. And the more upset we get, the more we think about it. And the more we think about it, the more, you, you know? And it's this viciousness that just eats us alive. And 
we violate people when we do it. Let me give you an assignment. Write this passage of Scripture down. Romans 12, 17 to 21. Romans 12, 17 to 21. Go home this afternoon and read that passage of Scripture, will you please? Romans 12, 17 to 21. That passage of Scripture will tell you, Repay no man evil for evil. As much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That's what that passage says. Go home and read it. Always keep current. L. Love the person. Verse 29. Let no corrupt, corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may minister grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. We need to build up. We need to give grace. We need to make sure that we are not grieving the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. And that is loving the other person. Remember what we talked about love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not arrogant. Love does not boast. It's not self Remember that? All that stuff? Remember that? We need to love people. Aren't you thankful that God loved you? And God loved you where you were. Now, some would say, That love means acceptance. Regardless of where that person is or regardless of where that person wants to go. Can we quote John 3.16? And I'm going to stop you in the middle of it, so get ready. All right, here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave for whosoever. He gave his only begotten son. Sorry. Let's start again. I messed that up. My fault. Here we go. All right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth... Stop. I'm trying to get you to (laughs) stop. Did you notice God's part? Right? God so loved the world that he what? Who? His only begotten Son, right? Amen? What's the next? That whosoever believeth... What's man's part? Believing. God is love. Amen? But God will hold men accountable if they do not believe. Hmm? We are to love as God loves. And we need to understand that man will be held accountable, women will be held accountable, our culture will be held accountable. God holds us accountable, doesn't he? John mentioned it this morning. I have it in my notes. Hebrews chapter 12. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And disciplines every son that he receives. Little children, do not despise the discipline of the Lord in your life. Now, does that mean God doesn't love us? 
it means he loves us enough to not let us stay as we are, but to help us be what we ought to be. Now, in our culture, that's a tough thing because our culture wants us to love everybody in spite of their behavior. God loved everybody, but behavior has consequences. That's tension, isn't it? That's relational tension. We cannot condone wrongdoing. We cannot overlook wrong behavior. We cannot approve of unrighteousness. God doesn't in his love, and neither can we. Back to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slanger be put away from you with, along with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Keep your cool. Stay under control. What Scripture says? Let all. Let all what? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Be put away from you with all malice. Let all. Why? Because we are to follow God's example. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Hmm? There it is. There it is. So we are to speak truth in love. Say those three words with me, please. Speak truth love. So that we are no longer children tossed through and fro. Rather, growing up in him who is the head, even Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to be imitators of you. Help us to walk in love as Christ loved. Help us to walk as children of light. Help us to walk not as unwise, but as wise. And help us to speak truth in love that we may grow up unto him who is the head, your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray, amen.